grace and peace in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And welcome to worship with Morrisville Presbyterian Church. Whether you are a longtime member or a first-time visitor, it is a joy to worship with all of you this day. Friends, if you are here in the sanctuary with us this morning, you will find a red friendship folder near you in your pew. We invite you to fill out the information in there in case we may need the information in the future. And you should not need to share since there are two in each pew. We are grateful that you are here with us this morning. I also would like to announce that we will be having a congregational meeting next Sunday after worship to recognize and nominate new officers in our church. We hope you will join us in person in the sanctuary after worship, but we also will have a remote option with more details coming by email this week. We hope you will join us for this important meeting. Beloved church, we gather on this day to worship our God, our God who calls us in new ways into God's expansive love and grace. So let us come as we are to bear witness to this love and grace. Let us worship God together. People of God, please join me in the call to worship as it is printed in your bulletin. We come to worship God in many ways. We come singing, dancing, and shouting for joy. We come looking to welcome God in our hearts. We come asking, praying, and seeking peace. We come to worship as we are. We come to worship God here in this place. Because the loving kindness of our God is greater than life itself, we can call upon God to forgive us. Let us come now confessing our sins so that we might attune our hearts to the melody of God's truth and give us joy in receiving mercy. Let us pray together the prayer of confession as found in your worship bulletin. Forgiving God, you have said the mighty is powerless, the lost will be found, and the outcast is beloved. For your gospel message turns the world upside down. Forgive us, Jesus. Turn our concerns into act of courage. Turn our conduct into compassion. Turn our condemnation into the awareness and love of others. With your grace and compassion, help us to recognize your salvation for others and ourselves. Friends, the good news is that God will find us no matter how lost we are. When we are seeking Christ, 
Christ has already found us. Believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Beloved church, as forgiven people, we will now take the opportunity to share the peace of Christ with one another using the sign language that Rachel has shared with us these past couple of weeks. I hope you will repeat after me as we do this peace of Christ with one another. It is the peace of Christ be with you and also with you. So let us stand now and share the peace of Christ be with one another and also with you. front while others are seated. Tucker, I've missed you. You can come on up, bud. Yes! Hello! Welcome! I'm so glad to see you. I'm going to leave my mask on since you're coming up. I'm so glad you are here. How have you been? Good. Good! It's great to see you. We still have some friends at home that are coming and there may be some others joining at music in a little bit. What a delight to see you. Do you know what today is? Father's Day, good memory. Have you already told your father Happy Father's Day? No, he's um, out doing like a training or like but something. Gotcha. Someday, sometime today, you will. Yeah, probably sometime. Probably sometime today. I imagine. I imagine. Well, Father's Day is a really lovely day when we are grateful for fathers or people who have been like fathers to us. And that might be a friend, that might be an uncle or a grandpa. Can you think of someone who's kind of been like a father to you, other than your dad? Your grandpa? See, that's a great thought. Yes, or maybe other adults or teachers or coaches, lots of people who might have been like a father to us. Today is a special day when we can honor those people and give thanks for those people. Today is also, strangely, a little bit hard for some people. Some people's dads might have died, some people might have had a child who died. It's really hard for some, some kids because they're most bad here, so we sometimes say, look, we honor you, my own, you know. Absolutely, you're right. It is a really hard day for some kids because their dads are serving in the military and they can't be with them or they can't be with them for all kinds of reasons. You're absolutely right, Tucker. I'm glad you're so sensitive to the fact that this is a happy day, but it also can be a hard one. And that is really great. And so because of that, we are going to say an extra prayer today. We always say a prayer today. On my third grade teacher, um, she had 
Mm -hmm. And she doesn't get to see him at all. You're right. But she, like the only time she got to see him it was um, during Memorial Day. Sure. I'm, I'm so glad you're aware of that, Tucker. You know what, that is going to help you to be a, a friend to all kinds of people who might be sad on a day like today. So thank you for sharing that. So we are going to say our, 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 our sort of our normal prayer today, and we're also going to say a special prayer today for those for whom this is a hard day. And so we're going to ask everyone to repeat after us, and you can help repeat after me too to help lead. Would that be okay? All right, we're going to offer our prayer together. It's going to be a little longer today, so we can hold all those for whom this is both a happy day and a joyous day and a hard day. We'll hold all of those people in our hearts. So let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for fathers, and we thank you for people who have been like fathers to us. Help us to celebrate them, and to love them well. And please be with anyone who's having a really hard time today. Help them to feel your love and help us to love them too. Amen. Thank you so much. It's so wonderful to see you. Mr. Carpenter is here. For any young people who would like to go to music, you can head on back or to sit with your parents. The word to be proclaimed this day comes from the Gospel of Luke. Let us pause for a word of prayer. Prepare our hearts and minds, O God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scripture is read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. In the name of your Son, Jesus the Christ, Amen. From the Gospel of Luke, the 19th chapter, verses 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see Jesus, because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. 
Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The doorbell rings, and immediately my brain is flooded with the thoughts of what I have done the past couple of hours. The guests are on the other side of the door, and I am wondering, did I do enough? The clutter in the corners have been whisked away. The desks and countertops have all been dusted. The napkins and knives, the forks and spoons, the glasses and plates have all been placed with Downton Abbey-style precision. The place looks pristine. It looks perfect. So I guess it is okay to let our guests into our home now. These are the kinds of thoughts and preparations I would imagine the people of Jericho were thinking about when they heard that Jesus of Nazareth was coming to their hometown. For ten whole chapters in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus has been making his way towards Jerusalem, and Jericho is Jesus' last stop before he gets there. So you can imagine the kind of anticipation that was growing before Jesus finally arrived in Jericho. Who wouldn't want to host Jesus of Nazareth, this mysterious man who at the least was the gossip of Galilee, or at the best, the Son of God? But alas, in our text for today, Jesus was not intending to stay for a while, at least not at first. Instead, the first verse in our text for today tells us that Jesus was just passing through Jericho. Passing through is not what the people of Jericho want to hear. I would imagine the people of Jericho have done a lot of work to get ready for Jesus. They have cleaned the whole house. They have brought out the fine china, you might be able to say. So how will they be able to invite Jesus into their homes if he is just passing through? How will they be able to gossip to their friends in Jerusalem if Jesus is just passing through? How will they be able to show Jesus all that they have done for God if Jesus is just passing through? If Jesus is just passing through, it does not sound like Jesus has enough time to describe how exactly he heals lepers over some light refreshments before lunch. And if Jesus is passing through, it does not sound like Jesus has enough time to see the new renovations at the synagogue. Instead, passing through implies that Jesus has his head down. He is making a beeline for Jerusalem. It implies that Jesus has intentionality. He has a purpose. He knows exactly what he is doing. He has a mission. But then he stops. And he looks up. And he says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Zacchaeus, 
I imagine the people of Jericho saying, no, no, Jesus, you have the wrong guy. Not that Zacchaeus, not the chief tax collector, the terrifying combination of Al Capone and the IRS. You choose the rich guy among all of us when we are all out here trying to struggle for middle class life? No way, Jesus, you have it wrong. Zacchaeus does not even hide the fact that he is a sinner. I bet his house is not even prepared for you, Jesus. I bet his office is messy with all the tax receipts lying everywhere on the floor. I bet his kitchen table is gross with all the gluttonous food and drink he has for himself and won't share for others. Of all the people in the world, Jesus, of all the people in Jericho, you choose to visit their home. You choose Zacchaeus, the symbol of imperfection. In first century Israel, symbols of status and honor were a big deal. People compared themselves in society by the materials they had or the generous acts they did in public. So when Jesus chooses someone to stay at their house, there was a lot at stake. To welcome Jesus into your home was kind of like getting into a top 10 college or university. Or like having the big house and the big car and the family all on the Christmas card. It was a symbol of status, of honor, an indication that you are doing something right and are being rewarded for it. Both back in ancient times as well as today, there is a tendency to value these status symbols, these images of perfection. Students are valued based on their straight A's. Parents are valued by the success and behavior of their children. Workers are valued by their pay and individuals by their property. Even churches are valued by their worship attendance on Sundays or by what their friends are saying in neighboring congregations. And the desire for a higher ideal or determination to reach a goal is not a bad thing. But where it gets tricky is when we start to make the illusion that everything is okay when it is not completely when we hide parts of ourselves or our communities that are imperfect to maintain these status symbols. For example, I present to you Will Hunting. Will is a character in the movie Good Will Hunting, starring Matt Damon and Robin Williams. To some characters in the movie, Will has it made. He is literally a genius. The kind of genius who solves complex math problems in 30 seconds when MIT professors takes years for them to prove. So we are talking about Albert Einstein kind of genius. Yet Will finds a problem that he cannot solve. During one scene in the movie, Will is talking with his therapist about a date he went on recently. The therapist asks Will if he is going to ask this woman out again on another date. Will says he is not sure, and then he goes on to mention all the great things about this woman. She's smart. She's fun. She's different than most of the people I have been with, Will says. So ask her out again, Romeo, the therapist retorts. Why? Will asks. So I can realize that she is not smart, that she is boring, 
that this woman, she's, she's perfect right now. I don't want to ruin that. Limitless opportunities stand before Will in this movie. He can solve any math problem in the world. He can have any job that he wants. He, is a, he has a genuine opportunity for love right before him. But he won't take the next steps to realize these possibilities because he is afraid of jeopardizing the image of perfection that he has in his head. We all can fall prey to this kind of mentality, this paralysis of perfection. We can hide away our dirty laundry and fix up our facade to look prim and proper. And like in ancient Israel, the seeking of status or the image of perfection can lead us to shunning parts of ourselves or our communities that show our limitations, that show our fears, that show the challenges. That is why no one in Jericho wants Jesus to pick Zacchaeus. Because Zacchaeus is the farthest thing from perfect. He is a sinner. He is the symbol of imperfection. So if Jesus picks Zacchaeus, the relentless pursuit of perfection, these status symbols no longer make sense. Where is my value if not in the image of perfection? But Jesus is on a mission. And he picks Zacchaeus for a reason. Jesus does not want us to be paralyzed by our perfection any longer. In this dramatic text, all eyes are on this passing Jesus, making a beeline through Jericho towards Jerusalem until he picks Zacchaeus out of the crowd. When Jesus says these fateful words, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. I imagine everyone's heads collectively turning and staring at Zacchaeus, this man in a tree. All eyes are on Zacchaeus now. And Jesus did not give Zacchaeus a fair warning. Zacchaeus was not given ample time to come up with a rehearsed response. He is literally stuck in a tree. And there is no opportunity for him to clean up his act or defend himself against the stares and judgment of the crowd. His dirty laundry has been aired out. He is a tax collector. He is a sinner. He is imperfect. And if this was me, I would do everything I can to shrink away, to hide amongst the crowd, and not have to be in public. But not Zacchaeus. In our text for today, Zacchaeus is not paralyzed by perfection. Instead, Zacchaeus acts. He hurries down that tree and stands before his Lord. He literally runs to be able to be with Jesus. And Zacchaeus is surrounded in judgment by his neighbors, the people he goes to synagogue with, the people he buys grocery from. He stands before his Lord, he stands before his community, and he admits his imperfections. And one of the most stunning proclamations and acts in all of Luke's gospel. Zacchaeus will give away half of his possessions to the poor. 
And if he is wronged, he will pay anyone four times as much. Zacchaeus has done what other characters in Luke's gospel could not get themselves to do. He has crossed that threshold. He has admitted his imperfections. He has literally repented and followed God in the name of Jesus. And as a result, as the text tells us, there is joy and salvation. Jesus was trying to tell the people of Jericho something about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was not entirely the person who the crowd thought he was. He was a tax collector. He was a sinner. There were barriers between him and who God was calling him to be. He essentially was a rich gangster, the symbol of imperfection in Jericho. But that was not the end of who Zacchaeus was. It was just a part of him. Instead, it turns out that Zacchaeus was a person of courage and faith. And by inviting himself over to Zacchaeus' house, Jesus did not rescind an invitation to everyone else who was witnessing this story, but instead opened the doors to everyone's heart who heard it. When Jesus rings the doorbell to your home and my home and asks to come in, He is not too concerned with the cleanliness of your abode or the efficiency with which you hide your faults. Because even before Jesus walks through that door, he knows you missed a spot on the counter and that you forgot to weed in the garden. Jesus knows that this school year was hard and that you don't want to go back. Jesus knows that the Christmas card is not all that it is cracked up to be and that the family is rockier than it looks like on the outside. Jesus knows that you are worried about worship attendance on Sundays and what other congregations are doing during COVID. Jesus knows that you cannot control your life and that that scares you. Jesus knows that you are imperfect. But the good news is that Jesus knows all of these things and is walking through your door anyway. Jesus is inviting himself in because he knows your imperfections, your fears, your challenges, the barriers that keep us from who God is calling us to be and who God is calling our community to be. That these barriers are not the sum of who we are, but parts hearts that God resides within as well, waiting for us to acknowledge and admit so that God can work through them in new and miraculous ways, like getting an unlovable rich guy to give away all his money and follow a carpenter from the north who claims that he is the son of God, like making the symbol of imperfection to be the symbol of faith. So let it be so. Amen.
We have heard the words of scripture and heard them proclaimed, affirming the power of God. Now let us affirm ourselves in the midst of that faith. I ask you to rise in body or spirit as you are able and let us read together the affirmation of faith as found in your bulletin. We trust in God, whom Jesus called Abba, Father. In sovereign love, God created the world good. God acts with justice and mercy to redeem creation. In everlasting love, the God of Abraham and Sarah chose a covenant people to bless all families of the earth. Hearing their cry, God delivered the children of Israel from the house of bondage. Loving us still, God makes us heir with Christ of that covenant. Like the mother who will not forsake her nursing child, like a father who runs welcome a prodigal home, God is faithful still. Please be seated. And now let us sit in quiet, but hear the words of the, song, of the song, Just As I Am Without One Plea, which is offered as a musical response. So let us reflect on the gifts offered to us by God and the calling of Christ in our midst.
People of God, let us pray. Loving and merciful God, even in our imperfections, you love us. And so we come before you this day seeking to be vessels of your love for the world, seeking to be the witnesses you call us to be each day. But God, you know better than we do that so often we fail, so often we fail to see your image in the person you call us to love. So often we fail to speak or act when the light of your love calls us to do more. We make excuses. We ignore needs. We ignore you. And so help us, loving God, especially in our imperfections, to love all people. That through our love, the world might come to know and see the one who first loved us. Eternal God, on this day, we particularly lift up fathers to you and those who have been like fathers to us. You, O Lord, are the parent of us all, and Scripture has prepared us to recognize that by your grace, fathering takes many forms. We pray for the many fathers around us. We pray for those who are like Abraham, counting the men among their family and friends who year by year and month by month become fathers while they wait. We pray for those who, like Joseph, have been called to love children who are not theirs by blood. We give thanks for hearts that open wider than we could ever have imagined to welcome in a child. We pray for parents who, like Moses' parents, put a child up for adoption, trusting another family to love their child as their own. And like those who pulled Moses from a basket in the river, we pray for those who find themselves parenting someone outside the predictable patterns of parenting. Bless this day, O oh God, all grandparents, uncles, aunts, foster parents, adoptive parents, and loving people who care for children. We give thanks for those who become caregivers for aging parents like Isaac. Because the generations that need to be parented and the seasons of our lives do change, we sometimes find ourselves parenting those who have even forgotten who we are. We take strength in knowing that you remember their identity when they no longer do. Grant courage and strength to all those who provide care in your name. Hear our prayers this day for individuals like the prodigal, O oh God, who for any number of reasons are desperate to leave home, desperate to forget home, and perhaps even wish their father was dead. Merciful God, only you know the ache and the pain at work in those situations. May your peace pass understanding. May healing take place in boundaries set. 
or in the creation of new family, or in reconciliation only you can provide. We pray for those who, like the prodigal's father, have struggled with the task of letting go of a child, or felt abandoned by a child, or hurt to their core by a child. We pray for those who can only stand by and watch as their father or their child battles substance abuse, or incarceration, or public humiliation, or mental illness, or any other situation beyond their control. We pray for those who would welcome a father or a child home in a heartbeat, if only given the opportunity. We pray this day, O God, for those whose fathers have died. We pray for those like Abraham who carry the memories of abuse or pain they have caused their children. We pray for those like Isaac who carry the weight of that abuse and pain for the rest of their lives. We pray for those like Adam who have known the deepest agony of a child's death. Remind them again that nothing can separate their child from your certain love. Give strength and peace to those who mourn and those who cannot stop mourning. Despite our best efforts, O God, families are breached and broken by death, disaster, or disagreement. Help us, like Jacob and Esau, to regroup our families in confident hope that in due season wounds shall be healed and oneness restored. And on this day we set aside to remember fathering, we also call to mind those women who are called to the vocation of fathering. We remember those many children of God who have taken children into their hearts in ways they never planned. And so let us renew our commitment to uphold them this day in whatever form that requires of us. And we pray desperately this day, O God, for those fathers and parents who have fled with their children from war or violence or starvation in search of a better life and have been met with rejection or loss so profound they do not know if they or their children will survive it. We cry out this day for your peace, O God. Loving God, the bond between parent and child can be the most intimate and nurturing of our lives, and when this is our experience, it is indeed a foretaste of your realm. And when it is not, we cry out for your healing and your comfort, and we give thanks that within your embrace we can always know the power of your unfailing love. Fashion us to be a people who pray and work and laugh and weep with parents and with children in whatever circumstance is most faithful. For this we seek your grace and your presence. Help us in all of our imperfections, O God, to love with your love, to be a witness in the world where it is needed most 
Hear the prayers unspoken that we carry with us day in and day out, and now hear us as we join our voices as one, praying the prayer your Son taught his disciples, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Beloved church, Jesus is on a mission. A mission to liberate us from our need to be perfect. So let us accept this grace and love in our lives and share it with the world. And as we go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you, be with those you love, be with those who you are called to love, this day and forevermore. Amen.